You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. How's everybody doing? Oh, come on now. I want you to act just like you want your people to act in church. There you go. I want this to be, they're recording it, so I want it to be the rowdiest, craziest app session. How you guys doing? And hang out and, uh, uh, and talk with you just a little bit. Did we figure out the watch thing? This guy, bring it on up here. Yeah, because my watch doesn't work. Oh, you know, just hang out with it. So you just wave at me when it's like 15 times. <laughs> hey, uh, um, it is awesome to be able to be with you guys. You'll hang out. Hey, let's open a prayer. Just ask God to be with us. Let's have a lot of fun here today and uh, hang out for uh, the next hour and just learn some amazing things together. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this amazing. Uh, conference for the incredible ministry of art and above all or the privilege to serve you god we don't have to do this we get to do this and what an honor it is and we ask you to do right now you would allow all um perceptions and preconceived notions and ideas to be left at the door and just to be open to whatever you would have to say to us in jesus name Amen. 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 Hey, it's awesome to read you guys a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Chris Oxen, and uh, uh, I am a pastor. We have multiple sites. And how many are lead pastors here? Raise your hand if you're a lead pastor. I'm a lot of lead pastors. I'm a lead pastor myself. Uh, we have multiple sites, 10 sites actually. And uh, and then we have, uh, um, I live here in Southern California, live in San Clemente Beach. We have a coaching group I'll talk a little bit about later on uh, that is called Church Boom. We coach anywhere from coaching resource about five to seven hundred churches per month. Uh, and so that's pretty awesome. And uh, so we do a lot of that and I've written several books. Got one of them here called When Your Church Feels Stuck. And uh, it is a great book to go through with your staff. It is a lousy book to go through alone. And so uh, and that's a good sales pitch too. And, um, Someone's got to pay me for that line. But anyway, uh, and we have, uh, my wife and I have been married for 28 years. Woo! Oh, yes. I'm married to a beautiful Hispanic woman. How many Hispanics do we have here? Okay, now I've been in the family reunions. You're a lot louder than this. Yeah, that was like, that was very white of you. Um, let's try that again. How many, how many Hispanics do we have here? We can't argue about anything. We can't communicate. And, uh, and then we have two um, two amazing children. And we have this third one. No, I'm uh, we, have, we have two amazing children we're going to do. And uh, we have a son. He is Mr. Workout. He is cut. You know, he's got the little six-pack going on. He's ripped as ever. And he's just a good-looking kid. Does a little bit of bonding, modeling, some modeling last week. You know, just a stud. You know, he's about 24, single. So, you know, fill out application. Um, and we have a daughter. She texts. That's it. Uh, but um, she's really good at it, and uh, we're really proud of her for texting, and we're praying for this fellowship. And, um, but hey, I want to get right into this idea of how do we break the barriers of our attendance, and that's what we want to talk about today, learning to break the 500 barrier. Uh, and whether you're at 200 or 100 or 400, how do we break that barrier? And I'm going to walk you through the six phases of any church. Now, I don't have any slides because they didn't tell me we had Last time I did it here, it was in another room. We had no slides, so I didn't bring any slides. So get ready because you're going to want to take notes of this, especially these six things, because then I want you to identify where you think you're at. There are six phases of a church, and then I want to talk about where you think your church is at, 
and then why you think you're there, and then how do we get to the right level. So let's walk through the six phases of maturity. Now, I want you to imagine, if you will, that there's a big arc right here, okay? And right at the bottom is the word lunch. So we're going to kind of do one of these things. So right at the bottom is the word lunch. That's phase number one. Say lunch. Lunch. Come on now. Uh, and so lunch. Every church has lunch. It doesn't matter if your church is a year old, one month old, 40 years old. You know, it was, it was you know, born right after the birth of Christ. Whatever it was, there was a launch day. We had a launch day. Uh, and uh, our launch day was years ago. Years ago when we planted our church. And now we have a bunch of them like that. And uh, our launch day was probably one of the worst in the world. Uh, in history, in mankind. Uh, you can, and if you have a worst launch service, I want you to come see me afterwards. Because I announce this everywhere I go. And no one has beat my story. So, here's what happened on our launch day. Uh, DVD was on its way in, VHS was on its way out 20 years ago. We created a four-minute commercial about our church, and we were going to launch it by sending uh, 10,000 VHS tapes out to people with a four-minute video on it about our church. Do you know how hard it is to create a video about a church that doesn't exist? You got people on there going, it's changed my life. I'm like, you are. And, uh, and so we made this four-minute video, and so we you know, put together... Raised all the money. We ran, we ran off the copies, 10000 We sent it to the mailhouse. The mailhouse is a place where you, you know, they put resident on there. You know, you got something else that's resident. So we picked a location. We dropped it off at the mailhouse. All ready to go, labeled and everything. They were going to label it through the night, drop it off on Tuesday morning at the post office, and boom, out it goes. Well, a couple things went wrong. Number one, there were 10,000 videos, but there was a problem at the labeling machine called the mailhouse. They, the, the label machine broke. And by accident, of the 10,000, 7,000 of our videos went to the same home. That's no joke. 7,000 videos. So don't tell me about your life. Oh, my electricity went out. You know, my mic wouldn't work. We had 7,000 videos go to the same home. It was a disaster. And I was like, oh, thank God, you know. And then the lady called me up. No joke. She was so mad. She was she was living. Because instead of the post office going, hey, you know, you might, you know, maybe 7,000 videos is wrong, you know, maybe that's the wrong count. You know what they did? They just delivered them on those pallets and blocked her front door. She called me up and cussed me out. There were like four or five syllable cuts. I'm writing them down. I'm like, that's a good one. I better use that. Um, and then, then, so we, they, we pick them up, we relay them through the night, send them back out. Then I get a call on Wednesday. Thursday, whatever day it was, only four days away from lunch. They were called once pass tapes. Those were tapes that were used before. They clean up the label and then instead of $1.50 a piece, they're like 26 cents a piece, which when you're doing 10,000 in the church planner, that's the difference between 40 grand and 8 grand. So I was like, not a work, you know? And they're once pass tapes. So not only have the 7,000 problems, some guy calls me and goes, hey man, sat down, look at your video, I think it's great to start a church, but I gotta tell you, man, he goes, you know how you come on right at the beginning? I'm like, yeah. And, uh, and uh, he goes, there's a couple seconds of someone else, a couple other people on there. And I said, what? There's, actually, there's three or four people on there before you come on. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, I don't know how to tell you this because you're a pastor. I'm talking about one. He goes, but these people, for the first few seconds, he goes, they don't have any clothes on. And I'm thinking, how many of these videos did we send out? You know, that are like, you know, porn. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm thinking in my mind, this is not good, you know? And uh, we had huge attendance on that Sunday. It was amazing. Uh, maybe I'm on to something. Uh, but it was so. If you have a better story than that, after this, come tell me because that was the week of our lunch. Every church has a lunch date. Okay, now remember I told you on this side is the word lunch. 
The next phase okay, is phase number two. You're going to want to write this down. It's the word uh, utopia. Utopia. You don't know how to spell it? It's U-T-O-P-I-A. Utopia. Utopia, that's when, now here's the thing about utopia, it's when everything is going right in your church, you just don't know why. Now here's the deal, right? If you don't know why it's going right, you won't know how to fix it when it's going wrong. So you have to know why it's going right. Utopia is everything's going right. We had that. Now we exploded. 200, 300, 400, 500. It was unbelievable. We went from one to three services inside of 12 months. It was unbelievable what God was doing. We had a guy come up as long story short. He comes up to me, you know, and, and we did a baptism. You know, you baptism in people's backyard, you know, when you're church planning. So we did it in the backyard. A guy comes up to me, hey, man, I've been here twice. He baptized my daughter, you know. And he, had, and, uh, he was talking to me, you know, and he goes, I thought I'd be a little bit of money. He baptized my daughter. She's been here for about three months. She's 14 years old. He's about 35, 38. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, I thought I'd be a little money. Help you buy some property or something. I don't know. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So a couple weeks go by, you know, I get my number. You know how that is. People make promises, and you give your number, and then, you know, you know everything. And um, so he calls me up two, three weeks later. He goes, hey, man, he goes, uh, you got a routing number? I want to put some money in there. Remember me from the baptism? I'm like, yeah, I remember you. And uh, I said, sure, I do whatever you can get. That'd be great. We appreciate whatever you can do. And he goes, well, he goes, give me a routing number. And so, you know, anybody that wants to, you know, give you money, I'll always give you a routing number. As a matter of fact, if you got a pen, um, I'm not happy to donate my routing number to you. Uh, and then he says, hey, man, he goes, I want to give you a ride. So he says, you know, what, a couple weeks go by, he calls me back up. He goes, hey, did you get the money? And I'm like, I don't, I, I'm here, I met this guy one time. I go, well, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know, like, chat. He goes, well, chat, I have no idea what he's going to do. I called Bank of America, did a little automated thing, and a little automated thing comes on and goes, a deposit was made in the amount of $300,000. Our church is only a few months old. I was like, wow, you know, he lives with us now. And uh, <laughs> we love Uncle Steve, you know, he's a good guy. <laughs> Part of us now, you know, you got that kind of money, you become part of us. Uh, now, so phase number one is called launch. Say launch. Phase number two is called utopia. utopia. Okay, the third phase is called whirlwind. Now watch this, this is important. Every church will end up going through a whirlwind. Here's what a whirlwind looks like. Ever been inside a Walmart parking lot? You know, you see those little dust bowls, and what do they do? Watch this, they go like this. Up, down, up, down, up, down. That's what happens in whirlwind. It looks like this. Man, it's like... We normally run 175, but sometimes we get to 220, 230, back down to 175. 220, 230, back down to 175, or whatever your number is. Anybody identifying with that problem? It's called whirlwind. It's like your one. It's like your church is 11, 11 months pregnant, but it can't seem to get past the 100, the 200, the 400, or whatever your number is barrier. It's like it's like there's this invisible sort of I can't get past 225. And we never drop below 170, and we always just seem to stay inside of there. And that's called whirlwind. You stay, and it's, a, and it's a very frustrating place to be because you want to know, why can't we break through this? Then the, the fourth phase is right here. So we got launch, we got utopia, we got whirlwind. Then we have the phase right in the middle is the best phase called increase. Say increase. 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 Now, increase is where you want to live. It's the church that you're constantly increasing, you're growing, you're developing, you're getting bigger and better and stronger all the time. It's an increase stage. It's an awesome stage to be at. And it's, it doesn't mean that you're not going to go up and down a little bit, but it's going to look more like this rather than like this. It's just different. It's different. It's called increase. Then the fifth phase is called merry-go-round. Say merry-go-round. Merry-go-round is the fifth phase. You're over here now. Okay, you're on the other side of increase going towards merry-go-round. You ever notice about a merry-go-round? It's the same thing with a lot of churches. All you do is go in circles. You never make any progress, and the view is always the same. 
A lot of churches in that way. The view is always the same. Church is always the same. And you're not really making any progress. A lot of movement, though. There's a lot of movement on a merry go round. It's always moving. You're just not growing. You're not doing anything. It's just it's a, it's a lot of progress. It's a lot of movement, but very, very little progress. Then the sixth and final phase is called slow death. Slow death is the church that's dying. Every single Sunday, you know, somewhere between one and 200 churches die every single Sunday. That means just a few days from now, maybe 100 or 200 churches are going to have their final service this Sunday. It's a crazy thought to think about. So, how do we get the increase? Real quick, if you're a lead pastor, raise your hand. Now, I want you to think real quick, where do you think your church is at and why? What phase? Raise your hand and just tell me, otherwise I'll just call you out. Right, right in the back. Where do you think you guys are at and why? Yell it out. Dying. Dying. Okay. And it's because the tendency is dropping. Is it, what would you contribute that to? Yeah. Uh, it's just older, dying. And, yeah. Okay. All right. Someone else. Tell me what phase you're at and why. Whirlwind. Utopia. Right away. Whirlwind. Why would you think you're a whirlwind? Exactly what you said. We kind of hit a minimum and maximum numbers. Okay. Um, people just skip the show once a month or they're not sure how to grow in the church. So they come when they feel like it and they don't come when they don't feel like it. Yeah. Kind of in the middle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Here's the answer if they don't show up all the time. Give them a shot color. No, I'm just kind of, you know, discipline. Anyway, one more. Come on. One or two more. Come on. Raise your hand. Senior pastor. I'll just call you out anyway. So raise your hand. Right over here. In the back. We're the launch phase. We're, oh, you're in launch phase. Awesome. Have you guys launched already? About to. We launched in sophomore. Awesome. That's great. Hey, congratulations. Give this guy a big hand, man. That's a lot. Great. I love that you're here for the launch because understand something. Watch this. You will go through launch. Every one of us in here. Some church, every church is going to go through launch. You will go through utopia if you're going to be a growing church. You're going to go through a wilderness because you're going to get frustrated. You want to land an increase. Now watch this. You don't have to go over to merry-go-round and you don't have to go to slow death. But we end up going there because on this side, watch this. On this side, it's all action. On this side, it's all discussion. Big difference. Big difference. So I love that you're here. I love that the guys at the traditional church, because I'm praying to God that you find some answers right now to help you not go over the merry-go-round and to blast through whirlwind on your way to increase and reach thousands for Jesus. So, man, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. Here we go. Now, here's some universal truths. Write these down. They won't come on the screen. So I got a lot to cover in a very short time. And uh, what time is it right now, by the way? I've looked at my watch, but it's been 1045 for a long, long time. Um, all right, here we go. Let me give you a few things. Ready? Number one, write this down. Here's some universal truths, and then we're going to get into some things that will help you break a cycle and get back to that growth increase is where we all want to get. Here's some universal truths. Number one, the longer your church has settled at a number, the longer it will take to break through. The longer your church settles at a number, the longer it will take to break through. Okay? You ever see those cement trucks? What are they always doing? The trucks. What is the back part always doing? It's turning. Why? Because the minute it settles, it becomes cement. If you're a church planner under five years old, please understand something. The cement is settled. If you took over a traditional church, you can always blame the pastor from the past. But any problems you have five years from now, you created. The cement truck is always turning. It's always turning. The longer you stay at a number, the harder it is to break through. Let me give you universal truth number two. What got you here won't get you there. Okay, let me, let me give you a clue. What got you, watch this, what got you to 100 won't get you to 300, I promise you. 
And when you got you to 200, we'll get you to 500. Please understand something. Every church grows to the level of the pastor's personality. Until they start adapting systems, structure, and strategy. If they don't adapt those things, then they're going to grow to the level of the pastor's personality. That's why the average church in America is 86 people. Because it grows to the level of the pastor's personality. Now, understand something. When you're 100, 150 or under, understand something. You're ministering to people. But if you want to get to 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 800, you've got to minister through people. The bigger you get, the less people you pastor. It's an odd thing. But the bigger you get, the more you have to get other people to pastor with you. So here's the thing. What got you here won't get you there. You're going to have to change some things in order to get to that 300, to that 500, to that 1,000, or wherever you want to go. So what got you here won't get you there. Let me give you the third thing really, really, real quick. Every new level requires a change. Every new level requires a change. Something's going to have to change. It's like these steps over here. Walk on these steps. And if I decide that I'm on step number two, watch this, and I want to go to step number three, then that means, ready? That means number one, I got to make an effort to go to step number three. And here's the big one I got to be willing to leave number two. Most people are not willing to leave number two, so they never get to number three because they're not willing to change. Here's what I've noticed about people people don't mind change, it's the process they don't like. You want to lose 100 pounds, 50 pounds, 20 pounds? Sure. You want to go through the process? No. We don't mind change. It's the process we don't like. And every time we move, we have to go up to a different thing. Understand something about the people in your church. More often, they will choose preference over purpose. Whatever whatever's good for them is what they'll end up doing. That's always a battle. You're going to have to change some structure. You're going to have to change some strategy. What got you here won't get you there. It never does. It never does. So, number three. Let me give you number three. Or number three is every number, uh, level requires a change. And, and, and understand something. And then you might want to write this down. It's a little long to say, but if you're not willing to sacrifice for what you want, then what you want becomes the sacrifice. Think about that. If you're not willing to sacrifice for what you want, then what you want becomes the sacrifice. It's anything in life, it's anything in business, it's anything in any, any part of it, and especially in the church world. If, I wanted, if we wanted to see our church go from four campuses to six, it means it required a change. If we wanted to go from here to here, it required a change. If we wanted to start focusing on helping other churches grow, which we coach about five, six hundred churches, and help them break their barriers, we had to be willing to leave where we were at to go to another level. It just always requires a change. And by the way, if at any moment while I'm talking, man, just raise your hand, question, comment, say that again. Let's not, this is not presentation time. This is all just hanging out in the old living room. So I just want to help you. Just don't be embarrassed. Just raise your hand and say, wait a minute. How about this? I don't agree. You know, your teeth are too big. Whatever you want to say about it. You're uh, already thinking of it anyway. So um, let's just get it out the open. Yes. About the teeth being too big? Oh, you're not willing to sacrifice for what you want, then what you want becomes the sacrifice. You're not willing to sacrifice for what you want, what you want becomes the sacrifice. Let me give you, let me give you six things that I've noticed. Now, and, and here's the thing. This isn't a, this isn't some thoughts that I randomly thought of at Starbucks. We've coached approaching a thousand different churches in the last six years. You start to see some trends. 
when you coach Josh and Jeff. We have our, I'm, I'm a lead pastor, but we have this organization that coaches and helps and come up. You know, you start seeing some trends. It's not that we're, I don't think we're smart, believe me. That's not what it is. It's a matter of, oh, we're not, it's not that we're all that, but it's a matter of, oh my gosh, you see a lot of stuff and you're like, wow, that is, you know, you start seeing these trends. So what I'm going to give you is just things that we've seen. For you to get to increase, to stay at increase, here's, a, here's six different things you can do as we take our, our last, our, our time together, about 35, 40 minutes left. Ready? Number one. Okay, matter of fact, you're going to tell me when it's uh, like, what do we say? 45. One of you. Neither one of you can forget. All right. Uh, wave your hand around. Number one, here we go. Number one, things that need to change. Number one, you got to change what you believe is possible. Okay, now. It is not just a motivational thing that I'm saying to change what you believe is possible. Like, change what you believe. I'm Anthony Robbins. You know, God bless. It's not that. It's not just change what you believe is possible. Though that's important. Because I've noticed with people, it's not what you are that, that holds you back. It's what you think you're not. So you've got to believe what you think is possible for you. But let me take it another level. You have to believe, uh, change what you believe is possible for your church. You know how many times I hear people say to me, you know, you don't understand my church, man. They are just cheap. We cannot get them to be generous. I don't know what it is with my church, man. Maybe it's my area, my city. You know, they just don't serve. I don't know what it is with my people. You know, they just, they don't want to be in groups. They don't even like each other. You know, whatever. And I don't know what it is with my people. And let me, let me tell you something I think is, is accidentally happening. And when I say accidentally, because I don't think you mean it to happen, but it, it happens. Is that you're, you're, your statements will prove it to be true. The more you say, my church is cheap, the more they'll be cheap. The more you say, my church doesn't want to serve, the more they're not going to serve. The more you say that my church doesn't want to be in groups, the more they won't want to be in groups. You're going to prove it to be true. Instead of saying, my church won't do this, be honest and say, I haven't led them there. That's better. You haven't led them there. And if you lead them to generosity, and you lead them to the invite culture, and you lead them to small groups, and you lead them to serving, they'll follow. So instead of saying, oh, my church, because I hear that all the time. You know, when you're coaching, this is two things I always hear. Number one, my church just doesn't fill the way. And I always hear, you don't understand my city. Everybody thinks their city is so different than everybody else's. And they have this reasoning of why things aren't happening in their city. You know, all you're going to do is prove it to be true. Don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. That's good. Number two. Uh, let me give you change number two that I, I would encourage you to make. Number two is change the way you structure. Change the way you structure. Now, let me give you an example. There are two, there are two things that are going to help your church explode and continue to have to increase. Number one is structure, and number two is strategy. Say that with me. Number one is what? Strategy. And number two is what? Strategy. Okay. Two things, structure and strategy. Now, by the way, for those that have a Pentecostal heritage, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit doesn't matter. So before you walk out of here and start complaining to Ark, and going, he didn't even talk about the Holy Spirit. That is not Holy Spirit 101. This is church growth. And, uh, and believe me, I'm going to say this got pastor. Like, you know. I, but I truly believe that the spirit and strategy can coexist. Yeah, right, yeah. I believe absolutely with all the heart. So the structure, watch the structure is your leadership and how you do leadership. And the strategy is how you move people from the community of your city to the crowd on Sunday morning to the core. 
structure and strategy. My wife and I were on a on the, the Japanese bullet train two years ago in Tokyo. It goes 300 miles an hour. If you pick up that train, a 300 mile an hour train, move it over to Texas to some track that was built in 1860, watch this. The train won't go 300 miles an hour because the structure won't allow it. You want your church to go 300 miles an hour, don't you? You want it to go big? You want to reach people? Of course you do. We all do. But understand something. The structure, watch this, this is important. The size and speed of your Church will always be determined by the structure and the strategy. Size and speed will be determined by the structure and the strategy. So the structure being, man, I've got to change some ways I do leadership. And the strategy being, how do we move people from left to right? Last year, the, the churches that we co coached drew an average of 35.5%. Because we taught them to move from Community, the crowd, the core. We taught them to realize that structure is an important part. How you develop leaders. Remember, you can minister to people up to about 150, but you've got to minister through people if you want to break that. You're never going to break that in your ministry if you don't lead, learn to uh, minister through people. And what we do often in leadership is that we don't, a couple of things is, is that we do it ourselves. And here's what happens most often in church plants. You have the leader... And then you have this massive gap in its followers. And there's nothing in the middle. Yeah. So you've got, if you, let's all assume we're all leaders at the level seven, okay? If you're a seven and you drop all the way down, you know, you end up having threes, okay? Now here's the problem. For instance, in the leadership scale, understand something. If you're a five, sevens don't follow fives, three follow fives. Sevens never follow fives. The higher the level you get, the greater the leadership will attract. And so if you get up to a seven and stay there at the seven realm, you've got to start raising up people to be up there with you. Understand something. Most problems I see in a church is I always say there's a mid-management problem. you got all these, you got good leaders here, empty, 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 and then you got a whole bunch of followers and doers. And you're not going to be able to grow the church that way. It's never going to go to the next level that way. You've got to restructure. You've got to grow as a leader. You've got to get your church team to grow, you got to get the leaders to grow, you got to get them reading books, you got to get them being coached. If you don't have a coach, I mean a real coach that's walking you through this stuff, I don't understand it. I got a coach, I'm on the phone with him. Matter of fact, I was on the phone with him this morning, early this morning. He lives in Atlanta, Dan Ryland is his name, Dan Ryland and Sam Chan. Those are my two coaches I talk to every month. What do I do now? How do I fix this? What do I change here? What do I do here? Because you've got to be getting coached, and then there's got to be a strategy. Most churches don't think in terms of strategy. Here's what we do. Here's how most churches look like this. Hey, what are you guys all about? They'll give you a mission. Oh, we're, we're here to, you know, love, love God and love people change the world. And then, what do you do? And then they list all the programs that they do. But they don't think in terms of strategy. How do we move how do we get people in on Sunday morning and then get them more plugged in? How do we go from community to crowd to core? If you don't start changing towards that, you're going to start hitting some lids. Lids because there's no strategy. It's like, what do you guys do? Oh, we're about loving God and loving people change the world. Yeah, really, how do you do that? Well, we have a men's breakfast once a month. That doesn't answer it. You know, it's a matter of changing those things. And so it's changing the structure. It's changing the strategy. It's adjusting. It's putting people in great places of leadership. I'll never forget there was this guy that was that worked with, uh, well, I don't speak at one of our campuses anymore. I kind of travel around to the different ones. And uh, I was sitting right here ready for the service to start. I'll never forget. 
We had like four or five weekend services at that campus at the time. I was sitting here, turns about a minute from starting, in walks this guy. I'll never forget it. He walks in, he sits, he sits down, and have you ever met anybody that, or maybe not met him, but you saw him at the gas station, you were pumping gas and you looked over, and they just flat out look intimidating. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, not stereotyping, but they just look like they want to kill you. You know, and he looked mobster, man. He came in like big dude, like this guy right here. Look at this guy. Look at this. And uh, let's pick on you. I was like, anyway, um, and he's like probably 50, 55 years old. He's by 6'2, tattooed up to here, lacks sunglasses that he never takes off. When I say never, never, I preach, sunglasses are on. It doesn't matter. Worship, he's got sunglasses on. Baptism, sunglasses on. He comes up out of the water. You know, he just. He's a trip. Anyway, so service is about to start. I go over and I go, hey, how you doing, man? He stands up. He's taller than me. He shakes man. Just a, just a big dude. And he just, hair slipped back. And he just looks at me and he goes, how you doing? Talks like that. No joke. I'm like, what, like the Godfather, you know? <laughs> and um, I'm like, uh, I'm doing good, man. He goes, man, I go, nice to meet you, Glenn. You know, I'm glad you're here. You know, blah, blah, blah. He sits back down, service goes on. I get up, I speak, I'm doing my speaking, you know, I crack a couple jokes, do a little story. People are laughing. Glenn's not doing one thing. Glenn is just looking at me like, not, not nothing, not smiling. I'm thinking in my mind, he's going to kill me. And um, then the offering, you know, I get done speaking, I sit back down, the associate, one of the associates gets up to this campus, he starts doing the offering, he's praying for the offering or whatever. And then all of a sudden, Glenn, he, I, I, during the offering, I got my eyes open because I'm thinking, if I get attacked, I want to be ready. <laughs> And I looked over and I saw Glenn and he pulls up his pant leg and he undoes a rubber band. And I'm telling you guys, there is the biggest wad of $100 bills I've ever seen in my life. I, there had to at least be six or seven grand on his ankle. And I'm looking over at him and he makes eye contact with me, did your prayer. And he's like, I looked at him and stopped him like, come on, dude, pay for your sins, do something. God knows you've killed a few people. Uh, and, he comes up to me, I'm not even kidding, he comes up to me, no joke, about two months into it. He's coming every Sunday. And he comes up to me, he goes, hey. He goes, and he's like, he goes, hey, you know why I sit in the front row every week? And I said, no, Glenn, I don't have any idea why. And he says, if someone try something on you, I'll take care of you. <laughs> I'm thinking in my mind, he wants someone to try something on you. He's praying for it. He needs a reason to afflict pain under the umbrella of Jesus. I know he is. There's no doubt in my mind. So a couple more months go by. We have this big thing called Family Month. Matter of fact, it starts a week from this Sunday. It's our biggest month of the year called Family Month. Everybody brings friends. It's a big old deal for a whole month. And I get a, I'm studying for it. It's a Thursday. I'm studying, getting ready for Family Month. You know, knock on my door. Uh, my assistant opens it up and she goes, "Hey, you got to call line one." I go, "You know, I tell him I'm busy. I got to finish this up." And she says, "Okay, I'll let Glenn know." I go, "Hold on a second. Like, it's Glenn, I need to get the call now. And, uh, you know, I don't want to die. And, um, and I pick up the phone, and no joke, this is how I do it. I say, I go, uh, this, is, this is Chris. And no joke, this is exactly how he does He goes, Chris, Glenn, I brought you 16 people on Sunday. Reserve the first three rows. Click. And he hangs up. No goodbye, no shalom, nothing. God bless you, just, eh, he hangs up. I get the staff together. I'm like, we got to reserve the first three rows. They're like, why is it so important? We can worry about it on Sunday. No, no, I need someone to spend the night here. You go to Lowe's, you go to Home Depot. I need the best rope money combined. We got to roll out three rows. Sunday rolls around. We're getting ready for the service to him to come to. I have a, I'm standing right over here tonight protecting the rope. And I'm thinking, I can't mess this up. 
because he'll kill me. And so service is about to start, and, and people are coming, and they're like looking at the rope, and I'm just kind of looking at them, you know, like, don't you dare, you know. And then here comes this lady with a walker like this. I'm like, ah! You know, she falls over in the uh, little tennis ball at the bottom of the walker. <laughs> anyway, and she, she's sitting there, and it was just the funniest thing in the world. You know, finally, Dwayne comes walking in, and he has not 16, but 21 first-time visitors behind him. No joke. And some of the people are like, man, this is awesome. We're in church. I'm like, you don't have a choice. Is this or death? You know, and there. And I, I watched Glenn, and, uh, and I watched God use his life. And I thought, man, God, where are we going to put this guy? Because he's, I want to lead. I want to help out. So he started helping out. He goes, I want to be a leader. I have, I'll head something up. He goes, I'll take care of security. <laughs> I can only fathom what that's going to look like, you know. And he goes, where are the guns? I'm like, no, no, man. So, we got to meet this guy. I mean, he's seriously a monster. And, um, but, but we found a spot for Glenn. Because here's the bottom line. Back to the structure strategy. Here's the thing. You're going to have to change the structure of how you do leadership, who you raise up in leadership, who you move over here, what org charts you develop. Things have got to change because what got you here won't get you what? Yeah. So you're going to have to change it. And your strategy. What is it? How do you get people to show up on Sunday? I don't know. You just open the doors. Well, that's not a strategy. Hope isn't a strategy. It's a great emotion, but it's a lousy strategy. It's a lousy strategy. We're just hoping they're going to show up. Really? And then when they come, then what? What's the next step? Well, then we have this thing. Really? How do we find out about that? And the thing is, it's like, how do we move people? You have to figure that out, and I want to help you figure that out. I'm going to give you my cell phone number at the end of this. You call me, I will help you figure it out. Yeah. But I want to do whatever I can to help your church get to that next level. Let me give you number three. Change the things that need to change. Number one, what did we say number one? Someone yell it out for me. Believe it's possible. Absolutely. Number two is you got to change the way you structure leadership. Okay? Let me give you number three. You got to change how you spend your time. I won't spend a lot of time here, but here's the bottom line. You've heard these two phrases nothing new, nothing fancy. Work harder, work smarter. Okay? Now, I think for some of us in here, we need to work smarter. If you don't have a coach, I don't know what you're thinking. Not some guy you just kind of call randomly. And I'm not talking about a guy that holds you accountable spiritually. I have a spiritual coach. His name is Eddie. But I have a ministry coach. His name is Sam Chan and Dan Ryland. They help me in ministry. They're not my spiritual coaches. We all have that kind of... I'm talking about a guy that just says, okay, you want to fix that problem? Here's how you fix it. Okay? You need that in your life. So that's called working smarter. Some of us just need to work harder. So I talked about it this morning. It's like, some of us need to work harder. Sometimes I'll talk to guys and I'm like, you're going to work harder. I don't know what else to tell you. you got to like, work harder. You know? I don't know what you're thinking, but you're just going to need to work a little harder. Um, and it's a matter of working smarter and sometimes working a little bit harder. And uh, anyway, so let me give you number four. Change your approach to be more culture-driven. This is a big one. The church will grow to the level of the pastor's personality. Once they realize they can't get past that, they'll end up in whirlwind, and the church will go 100, 110, 120, back down to 90, 110, 120, back down to 90, because they haven't changed the culture. Culture has to change. You've all heard this before. Culture trumps vision every time. Let me give you some examples of amazing people who have adapted culture. Apple. They are so good at it, aren't they? I mean, if you see, if you're an Apple person, if you see someone with Samsung, you're like, oh, that's cute. You'll still go to heaven. You know, it's different for you. 
They'll stay in line for 11 hours to get an iPhone 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever they're coming out with next. Because it's just culture. You, if you drive a Harley and someone pulls up next to you and they got Kawasaki, you know, it's like, man, we'll pray for you. You know, it's just because it's a culture. Now, what is culture? You don't know what it is? Let me give you a definition. It's a set of behaviors and attitudes. Understand something. You want to change culture. So how do you how do you do it? By the way, your church is already gaining a culture. If you guys don't have an invite culture, because there's not a lot of first-time guests coming, you know, if you don't have a lot of first-time guests coming, it's, you don't have an invite culture. Or you don't have a serving culture. Or you don't have a generosity culture. But the culture's got to change. And everything has culture. Think about Chick-fil-A and McDonald's. You go to Chick-fil-A, aren't they nice? Right? Or right or wrong? Oh, how are you doing? It's a pleasure to serve you. You go to McDonald's, what are you doing here? It's just different. Because <laughs> the culture is radically different. I go to Marriott one night, I'm like, you know, then go to the Motel 6 the next night. Beds, seats, toilets, showers, but radically different culture. What's the culture of your church? You're going to have to realize that your church is going to be driven by culture. Understand something. I want to write this down. Culture is a raging river. It is a raging river. It moves constantly. Now watch this. Watch this. If I have a stick and I and the river's watch this, if it's flowing this way really fast and I throw in the stick, which way is it going to go? This way. Why is it going to go that way? Because it's going to go the direction of the river. When new people join your church, watch this. They're going to go the direction of the river. If, you're, if you don't have an invite culture, they're not going to invite. If you don't have a serving culture, they're not going to serve. If you don't have a generosity culture, they're not going to do it. Culture is always changed by three things. Ready? Here's how you change culture, no matter what. This is worth the whole price of admission, which was absolutely nothing for this room anyway. Um, here it is. Ready? Culture is always changed by three things. The stories you tell, the heroes you make, and the things you celebrate. Stories you tell, the heroes you make, the things you celebrate. Another way of saying it is this. Tell stories about the behavior you want repeated. Whatever story you want, tell story, whatever, whatever behavior you want, tell the stories about it. Say that again, stories you tell. Stories you tell, the heroes you make, and the things you celebrate. Invite culture. Watch this. Hey, guys, listen, listen. I don't care if it's invite culture, serving culture, generosity culture, but let's go with invite culture. It's invite culture. Okay? And let's say your church is running 200. Now, by the way, you need to average five or more first-time guests every Sunday for every 100 adults you have. If you're below that, you're only going to keep up with attrition. So you got to say five for, for every 100. Five adults for every 100 adults that come on Sunday morning. Five of them, maybe yes. If you're saying, ah, oh, we're a church about 150, we average about five or six. It's too low. You're not going to be able to keep up with attrition. Attrition means people leave the church. How does the invite culture change? Watch this. Um, you need to tell stories about the behavior you want repeated. So you know how that's going to look? Watch this. Um, how about twice a month? Somewhere there's a video. It doesn't have to be fancy. Do an iPhone interview. Do a, do a live interview on stage. When greeting time is over, people look up here, and there's a stool over here and a stool over there, and they're sitting there, and you interview. And what are we interviewing? We're interviewing this guy because he's been doing a lot of inviting lately. Or we're interviewing this person because her life has totally turned around in the last year and she was invited by someone that doesn't even live around here anymore. But it always comes back to this inviting thing that we do it on an iPhone interview and then show it. We do it on a live interview and then show it. Guess what? 
if, when it's baptism time, if, if you got someone over here getting baptized, if you guys do the service or however you do it, have the person get baptized. Let's celebrate the heck out of them. But standing there with them needs to be the person who brought them. And guess who the hero is in the story? The person who brought them. Because people will always follow heroes. Tell stories about whatever behavior you want repeated on a consistent basis, and the church will start to follow. I'm telling you to work. Tell stories. The secret sauce of Rick Warren over the years. They're just ridiculous about telling stories. Tell stories about the behavior that you want repeated. That's how you create the culture, to get radically culture-driven. Get to that point and understand something. Culture without strategy will happen by accident. Culture without strategy will happen by accident. In other words, your church, please hear me. You already have a culture or it's being formed right now. Now it's going to be formed on purpose or it's going to be formed on accident. One way or another, your culture, your church is going to get a culture. Either on purpose because you thought about it or you're going to, you're going to end up with it by accident. Yes? What kind of conversations should you have when the senior pastor has an impression of what the culture is that's actually different from reality? Depends <laughs> you want your job. No, so now I'm, <laughs> uh, um, that's a great question. I, I will tell you when I'm coaching people, so I was working with a church on the East Coast, about 800 to 1,000 in the church, 800 to 900, but they're stagnant. I mean, they're not stagnant, they're going this way. I feel like in the last seven years. And the pastor was firm on, this is what our church really thinks. This is what our church really thinks. I said, okay. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, uh, I looked at the executive pastor, I'm just giving you an example, and I said, hey, let's do an exercise. Can you give me five people that have been coming to this church for less than six months? And he goes, yeah, I can find five people. I go, is there any chance that we could get them here tomorrow, tomorrow night? He goes, I don't know, I'll make a call. Next thing you know, there's four or five people sitting in the room. And I sat there for a half hour interviewing them. What's the church about? What's the church believe? What's the church's values? What's important to the pastor? Doesn't matter what the pastor says. And if you're a lead pastor here, it doesn't it matter. Rip at all what you say your church is about. Find four brand new people. Whatever they say it's about, that's what you've been conveying. That's your real values. That's your real mission. That's your real behavior. So for me, man, I always I always say, Pastor, I always Pastor, I found this exercise, you know, it's like finding new people and saying, What is our church about? Because whatever they say is what we really are. And it's an exercise that you don't know how it's going to turn out. And but I can tell you, nine times out of ten, and I've done this exercise a lot, it's never what the pastor says. It's not even what the staff says. Whatever the new people say, I'm telling you right now, that's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. So I hope that helps. But that's you know, without having a tough conversation, that that's probably where I would I would go with it. Okay? Okay. Um, and then yeah. Okay, cool. Here we another one, really. Just a couple more. Ready? Change to becoming fixated on a mission. The South Hills Church, the church that I found in the lead pastor, we're fixated on a mission. Our mission is to lead unchurched people to grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything we do is based on leading unchurched people. Before you leave, I'm going to give you some very important information about texting. So, this, uh, I, I've got a few minutes, I'm going to talk pretty quick, but about this. Great opportunity to get some coaching for you. Now, here's the thing. Um, change to becoming fixated on mission. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. It's just to say, what is the one thing you want to be about? 
But what is the one thing that's going to cause you to stay late? Besides ego or, you know, <laughs> trying to get our church bigger so we can feel better. What is that one thing? We live and die for one reason. To lead unchurched people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's what we want to do. It's what we measure. It's who we're all about. We measure that. Are we doing it? We're fixated on that mission. Your church has got to know that's the one thing we do. Okay? That's the one thing we're after. Okay? Most churches, we find, and you've been to the churches, you come up with some little love God, love people, change the world. We put it on some banner and we put it on a wall. And no one even remembers it. You've got to do that. What is written on the wall has to be lived out down the hall. It has to be. It's got to be like, that's what we do. It's got to come up every staff meeting. Are we leading unchurched people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? How did that happen this week? What are we doing? Are they developing? It's the question. We're not doing 185 things. Paul said this one thing I do, not these 15 things I dabble in. This is it. This is what I do. So, quit fixating on that mission. Getting so fixated on the mission. You're like, that's what we do. That's who we are. And you get that sort of cheetah gazelle type feel where it's like, I am fixated on hunting that thing down. And that's the mission that we're going after. It's important. Get your leadership going there too. Growing as a leader. Always, always moving in that direction. Getting everybody moving up. Fixated on the mission. Let me give you the sixth and final one and then we'll wrap it up and I'll give you a couple things to, to think about. And so, a couple things that are, are to help you. Uh, number, number six is this. This is important. Change from agreement to alignment. Here's what that means is um, agreement looks like this. Here's what agreement looks like. You got uh, um, the people, your team, this is what agreement looks like. They support the leader. That's agreement. They don't really, they don't create conflict. They lack a relentless pursuit of the mission. And here it is. They don't know against you, but you don't feel the strength of them rowing with you. That's, they're just in agreement. They're not causing problems, your leadership team. But some of them are just not rowing in the same direction, man. And alignment's totally different. Completely with you. They guard you and the team. They voice their support publicly and concerns privately. And their passion for the mission is contagious. Okay, here's the, here's the bottom line. I'll just spend a few minutes on this and then give you a couple things to think about. The alignment, uh, completely with you, guards you and the team. They voice their support publicly and concerns privately. And the last one is their passion for the mission is contagious. That's when you get everybody in moving in that. Listen to you guys. How many of here are not lead pastors? We have some sort of support staff to some level or degree. Let me speak to all that. Let me speak to all of you. Listen. Surat talked about it a little bit today. He talked about don't divide the house, all that stuff. It's so important. You guys understand something. The church will rarely ever go farther than the leadership. you got to have people on your team that are not just agreeing with you. They're in alignment with you. And if they're not in alignment with you, you need to figure out why. And if you're a lead pastor and you notice someone doesn't have alignment with you, you got to figure out why and you have to confront the issue in love. But you never want to live in what I call artificial harmony. Don't live in artificial harmony. It's a dangerous place to live. It's a very dangerous place to live. You want to confront and understand something. If you start seeing someone getting a little sour on your team, address it quickly. Because a piece of fruit that was once sweet that goes sour doesn't become sweet again. 
it is besides an act of God and one out of every 1,000, once someone goes down that trail and they keep going and they keep going and they keep going and then you finally address it, understand something, by the time you finally address it, they've already gone sour. You're in front of the eight ball. Watch this. If you can deal with it quickly, this is my staff member right here. I sense he's going a little sideways. I'm in front of the eight ball when he cares about the relationship with me. I'm behind the eight ball when he no longer cares about the relationship with me. And I got to address it. And I, now most of us don't want to deal with that kind of conflict because it's, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. But listen, this is important. Watch this. Don't miss this. Pay, I got to deal with this and I can't just keep letting it go. Pay now or pay later, but if you pay later, you'll always pay more. You'll always pay more. It's like, well, if I deal with that conflict, he's got influence with seven other people that are big givers, and yeah, you know what? In six months from now, he'll have influence with 14 other people. You want him to influence seven now or 14 later? Because you pay now or pay later, but if you pay later, you'll always pay more. Now, listen to this. Lead pastor, lead pastor, if you recognize, I'm going to give you three quick attitudes. If you recognize this attitude in a team member, deal with it. If you're a team member, and you recognize this attitude in you, deal with it. Lead pastor, you need to deal with it. You see it. Associates, staff, people, volunteer staff, whatever, you need to deal with it if you see it in yourself. Let me give you three attitudes that will absolutely, absolutely have attitudes and they will wreck what God is trying to do in your church. Ready? Let me give you three quick attitudes. You're ready to write them down. Attitude number one that will wreck alignment. Ready? Here it is. Do what you want with the church. Just leave my area alone. You're going to wreck the church that way. I'm the youth pastor. I don't know if I really agree with the lead pastor, but I'm just going to do my thing. And then you're going to wreck it. Do what you want. There's an attitude that comes up that says, do what you want with the church. Just leave my area alone. You're going to end up wrecking the church. You're going to, if you're an associate, you're going to end up hurting it. If you're the lead pastor, you got to deal with it. Number two attitude. Ready? So run out of time. Number two. I love the church, and I tolerate the leader. We've all been there. We all know someone that's there. Whatever it is, it's a dangerous place to be. Don't let your heart go there. What did Paul say? Guard your heart and guard your mind. Don't let your mind go there. Don't let your heart go there. Be really, really careful. Don't let it go there. It's a dangerous place for you to go. It's a dangerous place for you to get to a point where it's like, man, I'm tolerating. And let me tell you something. If you're in a second, the guy came up to me a while back. He was talking to me. I've known him for a while. He's an associate pastor of the church. He talked to me about his pastor. I said, you need to address the situation. He addressed it. It's not changing. He's still upset. Still angry. Two months go by. Four months go by. Eight months go by. He's still angry. We're sitting in a restaurant just recently. He goes, what advice do you have for me? And I said, you don't like it, do you? He said, no. I said, you need to stop taking the check and resign. Either support him or get out. That's it. He's not going to change. He's the boss. It is not your job to replace what God put in place. So fix your attitude, fix your heart, get it right, do what you got to do, or get off the team. You can't go. Let me give you the third and final attitude. Attitude that will destroy everything. Things would be better if I was in charge. It's a dangerous place to be. Things would be better if I was in charge. And it's a dangerous place for you to come to. And here's my goal for you. My goal, my heart, my desire for you is that you reach the place of increase and you don't stay over here just in the whirlwind and you don't stay over there and merry around or wherever you find yourself today. 
but you stay at the level of increase. And it will take change in your leadership. You'll have to figure out better strategies. You're going to need to get some help. You're going to want people like that you heard this morning. It's like, hey, if they're on mile marker number six and you're on three, get help from them. Get help, not just the spiritual accountability. Get the help that you need. Get fixated on your mission. Get clear on your mission. You know why? Man, if you're not clear on your mission, understand something. In the absence of clarity, people will arrive at their own conclusion. Be clear on your mission. Be clear on who you are. Be fixated on the mission. Create the right culture. Move in the right direction. Get the strength and the strategy and the help. Realign your leadership. Raise up your leadership team and get everything moving in the right direction. I want to give you a couple things. We'll wrap it up. I think we have about five minutes left. Like that. So let me, okay, so let me give you this. Ready? Here we go. Uh, first, I'm going to give you my cell phone number. My personal cell phone number is 951-415-7444. I don't have another cell phone number. It's not like, well, I, I get that one out and I have this one for my, no, nope, it is my only cell phone number. One more time. 951-415-7444. You need help? Call me or text me. It's up to you. I always tell people you're alone in the ministry as you want to be. That's good. It's up to you. Well, you need some help. Reach out to I give you my number. No more excuses. None. Now, we have a thing called churchboom.org. Churchboom has a ton of resources and help. I'm going to give you two different things that you can text to. You can try this out. Put it up there. Number one is this. Text the word churchboom to 31996, and you get your first month free. It's only $49 a month anyway. But it has got everything on it. Training videos, how to break 200. It's got small group resources, sermon brand packages. It's got resources on staffing, job templates for ushers, readers, whatever you need. I mean, whatever you could possibly think of is on that site. There's, there's 10 leaders on our team, church boom team, and three of them have the fastest growing churches in America. We take all their content and we upload it all the time. We take the best of the best and we put it on there. You text the word three, or church boom to 31996, you get first month three. They're going to send you back and you put in your email. Follow through with it. Don't like let it fall down into your text. Follow through with it. Get the help that you need. Now, if you want to go to a personal level, that's digital. Here's a personal level. Put it on the screen for me, the next one, if we could. And that is, there we are. Text the, the letters B-E-P, B-E-P to 31996. You're going to get a free book. You're going to get a schedule. You're called to hear about our virtual executive pastor program. That's what B-E-P stands for. We have a program where we come alongside you, literally, and we serve as your executive pastor to help you figure out how to get to 200, 400, 800, wherever you want to go. Matter of fact, a couple of the people that are getting virtual executive uh, partnership are here with us today. And, uh, uh, but it's a virtual executive pastor. We've got a team of people that come and they want to serve alongside. They will literally be on site with you, you know, every month or the other month, whatever works out. They will be Zoom calls with you. They're doing everything they can to figure out how to get you to that next level. Last thing I want to share with you is just the book that I wrote. Uh, the director, one of the directors of art said, hey, make this thing available because uh, we didn't get it in time over the store. But... Um, it's only $10 here. It's like 15 or 20 on Amazon. It's called When Your Church Feels Stuck. And it's ordered by Andy Stanley. And it's uh, the seven unavoidable questions every leader must answer. And it will walk you through mission, value, vision, strategy, how to move people from community to crowd to core. This is a book. Seriously, all kidding aside, it is a book to take through with your staff. If you've got two, four, six, eight staff members, uh, buy a few for them. Go through it together. It has been an enormous resource for thousands of pastors across the nation. And uh, I've been several books, but this one by far for pastors is the one that pastors love the most. And I want to encourage you to grab that 
on your way out, it's actually available right over there. We got the square, you can take whatever whatever you need to do. But you got my cell phone number, just know that I am radically committed to help you get to the next level. And I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I got a call this I got a text this morning. Hey, I'm a worship pastor, okay? I know the worship pastor at this church, the church of ten thousand. I did a personal email, boom, you set up with him. I just trying to help you connect the dots to get better at what you do. I want to help you get better at what you do. I'm radically committed to that. I believe that's what God's called our church to do, help other churches. We just want to help you do that. So would you stand with me? We're going to pray. And uh, um, we're going to just ask God just blessings on our church. And uh, and the books, like I said, on your way out right over there, my friend Twy is going to take care of those. Grab them. I literally only have one box, so just get them. Seriously, get it and let it be a resource to you. Uh, would you do me a favor and just, if you got someone near you, put your hand on their shoulder. And let's just pray for each other. Let's do that right now. If you're single, hey, you know, just help me out. Um, let's go Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much. Come on, pray with me now. Father, thank you so much for this amazing group of leaders that love you and love your purposes and love your kingdom. Today we learned practical things about culture and strategy. And Lord, we know, without a doubt, there's the God factor. We can't do anything without God, period. But there's also the leadership factor. You look for leaders that are willing to do what it takes. So God, I pray today. God, if anything that's happened today or tomorrow that we would determine right here in this room, we would be learners. Professionals get coached. Amateurs learn by trial and error. We don't want to be amateurs, God. Help us to get coaching. Help us to read the books. Help us to be lifelong learners. And God, help us to do everything we can to reach people. God, we'll, we'll take care of the heart and we'll take care of the hustle. You take care of the harvest. And we ask this in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this session from the ARC Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations, and to register for an upcoming ARC Conference, visit artconference.com.